Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Many of us believe that men and women are basically equal. We each have our strengths and challenges, but except for a few areas, we have similar capabilities. So it often comes as a shock when what starts out as an egalitarian marriage devolves into into traditional male-female roles once children appear. It's easy to forget that there are biological differences because society has done a lot to move past this. But in addition to the benefits, there have been some difficult consequences of this move. And this is really true for men. Their innate impulses to protect and provide have come face-to-face with the reality that those impulses can't be followed in the traditional way any longer. This plays out in our romantic relationships, and men are often lost and confused about how they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to do. So to help explain what's happening, and more to the point, how to navigate the new order, I'm joined by Dr. Rebecca Heiss. She's an evolutionary biologist and the author of the upcoming book, The Instinctive Mind. So Dr. Heiss, Rebecca, thanks so much for being on the show and talking about what is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. <laughs> so you wrote an article that appeared on the psychologytoday.com website entitled, What Defines the Modern Man? And it takes on this dilemma that men find themselves in. And you ask two really important questions. And the first one that you talk about is, what is a modern man? So how do you answer that question? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's difficult because you have to start by realizing it's coming from a female perspective, right? Um, <laughs> but I think, I think it's really it's up to the individual to answer that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the modern bit of it because evolutionarily, we really didn't have a choice. Man was man, woman was woman. We had traditional roles that were essential for survival and the raising of offspring that really has been reinforced by culture over the years. But Uh as we've broken out of this sort of like natural selection cycle where it's literally sex and survival, right? That's that's what most animals are living in is how Uh can I get through this day? How can I procreate? And humans have removed themselves from that. You know, we're... We're not having to survive the elements anymore. And that's created this immense amount of freedom for us to be more selective about the roles that we want to fill. We're not bound to that sex and survival cycle anymore. So really the modern man gets to choose who he is. Well, and that's, I mean, and that's kind of the evolution for women that's been going on for decades about stepping out, I mean, I haven't talked about this for a long time, but the first time I, I when I saw the first episode of Mad Men, I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I went the whole, I went, oh my God, <laughs> you know, because of course the, the, the wife psychiatrist is calling the husband and telling him all about the session. And I'm like, going, okay, well that is wrong on right. oh so many levels. But, the, yeah. <laughs> but that was, I mean, but that was technically in my lifetime. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, We're making such massive changes. I mean, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, but yeah, I mean, and so women have really, I mean, they started this, this change. 
And you know, and it's been beneficial in many ways. It's, I think it has some challenges in others um, because it goes back to you know, the Virginia Slims. God, I'm really dating myself. The Virginia Slims right. commercial about you know, um, you know, uh, bringing home the bacon, frying up in the pan, and never letting the guy forget he's a man. Um, right, right. You know, um, this whole thing. Actually, that probably was a, that probably was a perfume commercial. I'm mixing up my commercials, but anyway. Uh, this idea that women have evolved, they, they, bro- they broke out of the stereotypical roles, entered the workforce, are capable of doing all these things, and you know, men are lagging a little bit behind, um, yeah. but, but we've still upended everything over the last decade, and so the, the choices that women have had for years are now, what I'm hearing you say, kind of opening up for men to make different choices. Yeah, and I think that's, that's exactly it. I think there's a couple things at play here. One, we have, to your point, in your lifetime, there have been massive cultural shifts. And we're operating with brains that really for 100,000 years mm-hmm. operated in this survival mode, right? Our brains are built for a time of our ancestors, right, when we are surviving, we're, we're just making it through the day, and really it's only in the last 200 years or so that we've had this massive industrial revolution, we've had a, an exponential increase in technology and in human population, and our brains are now processing information at a rate that they have literally never seen. And so... Um, we're, we're living in this massively modern environment with Stone Age brains, still trying to figure <laughs> out how all of this thing, these things work, right? And so, mm-hmm. so as, as a modern woman has, as you, you know, very aptly pointed out, moved into the space of career and resources and providing, um, that I think can feel very threatening to a man who, for 100,000 years plus, that's been their role, if you will. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's their value, is they've been able to, to hunt and bring home resources and protect. And that suddenly women are like, actually, we're just as capable of this in this modern setting. So I think that leaves the men kind of going, oh my gosh, what am I valued for? And one of the things that I think we are failing to do as a society is welcome men into the home. Welcome men into the cooking, the cleaning, the child rearing, all of the sort of traditional roles that women have held. And I think in part that's because we value the status, the money, the the job. And so it's like, oh, yeah, women, go after it, go get it. But we're not valuing what has traditionally been women's roles. And so when men, when you hear a man say, oh, yes, I am a stay-at-home dad, what an awesome, valuable position but they don't feel it, and society often doesn't reflect the value of that role. Right, because I'm going to argue that society doesn't necessarily um, respect a stay-at-home mom, you know, a stay-at-home oh, mom exactly. either. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, and, and it is, it's, it's, this, it's this drastic change and because, you know, traditionally you would meet a, you'd meet a man or men would meet each other and after they introduced each, uh, themselves, they gave, gave their name, the next question would be, what do you do? It, right. So it's, exactly. it's, not, it's not, so who you are was connected with what you do. And it is, it's the status, it's the value of what is considered the masculine 
traits, you know, the, the, you know, the, the monetary success, the, right. you know, how much stuck you get. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and as, as a society, that's what we value for so long. And again, traditionally, that makes sense. You know, if you can bring home more food, you're more apt to survive. But if you can bring home a certain income level, okay. You know, I don't think we're up for survival anymore. Um, and yeah, we're not having home. we're not having to go out we're not having to go out into the wilds and bring and bring home yeah. dinner. You know, I mean, yeah, exactly. we can go to the grocery store. You know, and and, and exactly. men and women are equally capable of going to the grocery store. And you know, it it, it is. It's, it's, and this is one of the things I talk to my clients about. It's like exactly we are still wired. You know, evolution is a slow process. We are still wired for the days, you know, before the Industrial Revolution when we all, it was survival. So what role, I mean, we're talking about evolution, and you're an evolutionary biologist. So what role is evolution still playing? I mean, we we are sort of kind of fighting our own instincts, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, that's exactly the case. That's exactly the case. And, and I will say, I think uh, a lot of what we're fighting are these, what I refer to as biological ghosts. Okay, so they're behaviors, they're ideals, they're things that set us up to survive in the environment in which we had to for 100,000 years. Um, so we're fighting consciously when we can be a conscious thinking being, mm-hmm. all of these subconscious or instinctual behaviors. Um, so to be in the true sense, a modern man or woman, I think is to be conscious of, oh, you know, this is, this is something that I'm good at because evolutionarily I am good at it and I am choosing to, to play into this role and to fit into this role and to use my skills in this way. Um, I think the problem comes when we assume because we, we don't treat everybody as an, in, as an individual. And this yeah, is, that's correct. I mean, this is, and this is, again, an effect of this, of this uh, ancestral brain. When you lived in the ancestral environment, you're living with 50 or so individuals. You know everybody's strengths. You know everybody's weaknesses. You know everyone as an individual being. Now, fast forward to where we are. We've got 8 billion connected individuals in this sort of like global society. And uh-huh. our brain is still operating on these, well, we need categories. You know, so, okay, all men this, all women this, all X, Y, Z, this, and, and the result means that, you know, me as a female scientist, well, on average, are females better in engineering or are females better in empathy-driven kindergarten teaching? Oh, my gosh, that is terrifying to look at, and I know a lot of females right now are sitting there cringing at what I just said. Exactly. But on average, on average, uh-huh. yes, there are still trends. That does not mean that females are not just as capable, if not better in many instances, at coding and engineering and traditionally male-based industries. And that does not mean, and this is where I think we're really failing our men in society, this really does not mean that an individual man isn't just as good in the house changing diapers, you know, taking, you know, taking care of dinner, um, being the kindergarten teacher, but we're not promoting men in the house nearly as much as we're promoting females in careers. Well, and, and that's a really interesting statement because I, one of the things that goes on right now, and I, I just 
done a whole bunch of work around, you know, the whole chore wars and, and men yeah. stepping up, men stepping right. up in the house. And part of that is actually will women let go of things. Relinquish, I know that a lot right. of women are really ticked off about the fact that they're doing everything, but it's kind of like, okay, so are you actually, you know, are you actually inviting the man in your life yeah. to be an equal participant? And that's a whole, that's yeah. A whole yeah. But, it, but it, 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 and I think it's scary. It's absolutely well, scary. You know, that's, that's where our value has been held for a long time in the same way that it's probably scary for men as women come in and take over their industries. Sure. Well, and, and, and again, we're fighting this evolution because I know that one of the things that, that happens, you know, and it's what I talked about in the beginning, is that you know, everything's equal, quote, unquote, until a kid arrives. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then it's kind of like people are wondering, well, why is my partner doing this? Whether it's the man wondering about his wife or the, wife, you know, or the woman wondering about the guy, it's like, why, why, is, why is my husband now spending so much time at work? Well, because that, right. he still has that provide, protect thing, you know, and, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, why does my wife not want to go back to work? Well, she's got this, you know, she doesn't want to leave the child. And we, right. we're not dealing with this straight on. I mean, this is the whole mommy wars business about, well, are you a better mom if you stay home? Or are you, it's like, oh, my God, stop this. Just stop <laughs> Yeah, we're applying a lot of moral judgment to things that, that we need to be more conscious about, about choosing, you know, instead of just letting our biology drive us to one, one extreme or the other. Well, but it's also understanding that that biology exists. I mean, I know that we, this is the thing that, that, you know, we fight, that we, we kind of like to pretend that human beings aren't animals. <laughs> right. Oh, it's so true. Oh, it's but, so true. You know, but we have these same instinctual drives, and you know, the benefit is is that we have these higher order cognitive abilities to think about them. Right. But it does right. require us to oh think about them as opposed to <laughs> right. No, you're nailing it. You're absolutely nailing it. That's so true. And and, and the the whole idea is that you know we're in a world that's so busy and so frantic all the time. Of course, we're not thinking about them. We're just operating <laughs> from what's always worked. So this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, yeah. Well, I mean, but, and that's the struggle because we have these, it's almost like these two different operating systems that, that unless we're going to sit down and figure out how to connect them, then, you know, we, we are just functioning, we're re, what I call we're reacting instead of responding. And, yeah. and without even much thought given to, well, why am I reacting this way? And I think a lot of it may come from the societal, I don't want to call it necessarily rejection, but, but the societal lack of respect for what mm. is traditionally the feminine characteristics, even though we all have masculine and feminine characteristics. Oh, no, I agree with you wholehearted on that. Yeah, I think, I think the, one of the biggest problems is that society has placed greater value and financial, financial value, status value on the natural differences, the biological differences that men have. Um, so if you look at one of my favorite examples is looking at leadership. So books mm-hmm. on leadership. If you Google or, or podcasts on leadership, you Google uh, the top, top podcasts on leadership, the top podcasts or the top books on leadership. One thing that you will find in common is that men are writing them. 
men <laughs> are producing them. And uh -huh. so if you have an entire gender that's defining what leadership is, um, okay. So then flip that. Go look at early education. Go look at the, you know, childhood XYZ. Uh -huh. And you're going to find women are writing that. Women are defining what it means to be a good parent. Um, so, so when we have genders, entire genders that are defining what the good, the moral, the right way to do something is, of course it's not going to align with biological differences of the other gender. It's just, that's just logical, right? Because we don't see anything outside of our normal. That's, yeah. And so that, I guess that's, I, sorry? Well, but, and, I guess, and I guess that's the challenge, is how do we open right. up to, to do that? Yeah, I think that's, that's a great question. I, and I think the, the short answer for me is we have to be willing to be conscious, which means overriding some of those instincts, sitting back and saying, okay, while I complain all the time that my husband is not in the kitchen helping me with dinner, and I now am seeing that he's making a huge mess and he's not doing it my way, can uh -huh. I sit back in that discomfort, right? Can I sit back and just let him do that? without creating a scene and letting my biology override that. And the same mm -hmm. thing is true, you know, can I, can I be a man in a leadership position and when a woman comes in and acts differently and is more empathetic or, you know, I'm just going to pick the super traditional roles here, but is more empathetic than I would be where, I would be, where I would have been assertive in that moment, she's inviting, you know, more comments. Um, I can't tell her that's wrong. I need to sit back and watch this and see how this plays out. And that's really hard for us humans to do because we're so convinced that the rules that we play by, the operating system that we have in place, is the right one. Oh, yeah. The whole right and wrong thing. Um, that's right. That's right. This is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with author and evolutionary biologist Dr. Rebecca Heiss about the critically important issue of the role of men in today's world and in their relationships. And if this is something you struggle with, there is a better way forward. Give me a call or send me an email to find out about the Hero Husband Project. You can reach me at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or you can send me an email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, no E, thank you, Mom, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in Charlie.com. And I want to get back to this really important topic. And the second question that we've sort of been talking about is what should the evolved modern man be? And, how, you know, we're talking about being more conscious and trying to be – sit in our discomfort, which I love that because most of us, that is the one thing we don't want to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about being, being more conscious, and I know that there have been some studies that have been done, um, or actually not studies, just more research, that's that shown that in companies that have diverse management, meaning – diverse genders, diverse ethnicities, backgrounds, they actually make more money. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> There's no doubt. Which is, There's no which doubt. Is, 
and which is really interesting. But that's I'm but that's about, and I'm assuming that many of those companies are doing this consciously. Yes. So they're taking advantage of what everybody brings to the table. So how do we apply that? You're talking about you know these two groups: the the, the men are all writing the leadership books, and the women are all writing you know the more empathetic. Um, nurturing kind of books. How do we how do we do this? How do we get people to men especially to be more conscious about this? <laughs> that is a that is the million dollar question right there. Um, I, I think a lot of it is is recognizing when you are uncomfortable and and as you were just sort of joking about being willing to sit in it. So. Again, our brain, our brain is very black and white. It's, it's made mm-hmm. for a time when, it's, when it's, it's either in a state of comfort where things are good and going right and all is fine, or the, the other extreme is we're going to die, right? It literally is <laughs> yeah. those two extremes. So, and that makes sense evolutionarily. And if you're looking at, at discomfort in the, in the Stone Age, that's, that's, a, that's a real threat at that point. In the modern environment, a little discomfort, like, oh, I'm a little bit hungry, doesn't mean I'm going to die, and yet our brain still treats it that way. So the same thing, I'm a little uncomfortable. This woman is, you know, stepping into my, into my territory, as it were, in terms of mm-hmm. the resources that I'm providing, or the man is stepping into the, the child care. I'm a little uncomfortable with that. That's where we have to recognize that our brain is being triggered into that I'm going to die moment. Because what happens when we go into that I'm going to die is our instincts completely take over. Right? They don't, you're, you don't want to be thinking when a tiger jumps into the room. You, know, you want your instincts That's to take true. over and like, get out. Um, but the reality is most of these tigers are ghosts. They're not actual tigers. They're not actually going to kill us. And so if we can sit in that moment and retrain our brain that this isn't an actual threat, this is a perceived threat, Mm-hmm. And if we can sit in that, we're going to be a lot better at, at staying in that conscious space, at staying in that frontal lobe that's, that's allowing us to see other perspectives, that's allowing mm-hmm. us to gain um, new insights from outsiders who we otherwise would categorize as dangerous or threatening or any number of other things. I, you know, and that's such an interesting perspective because, you know, um, I love the brain. It's why I got into what I'm doing, you know, my I have this whole science side of me that just loves, it's just absolutely fascinated with how our brains work. And what I tell people is once that instinctual fear, that, that idea that we're going to die, you know, that there's something that's a threat, our bodies don't know the difference between whether it's a real tiger or whether it's oh, yeah. just something that makes us like... Traffic jam. <laughs> yeah, our bodies, our bodies are just going to go. And yeah. it, but we do have this higher order way of thinking about it. It's like we can go, because I mean, I'll tell people, it's like, okay, you're walking in the woods and you see something that's about, you know, maybe three feet long, about, you know, an inch and a half in diameter and brown. Ah, snake! Yeah, you know what? yeah, yeah. And then, and then you, you step back and go, oh, it hasn't moved, and oh, there's leaves, oh, it's a stick. But yeah. our initial instinct is run because it's a snake. That's right. That's right. And, and forcing your body, retraining your brain to stay before you run is a difficult task. Yeah. 
I, I, I yeah. think our military and our first responders, you know, are really good at us because they actually have to be trained to like, okay, let's go run into a burning building. That is not what normal yeah. people do. People don't run into yeah, that's exactly it. But, yeah, and that's, that's a great example. I'm glad you bring that up. But, you know, the reality is you can do that yourself. You don't have to be a first, a first responder or a firefighter. You can go up to a, you know, your, there's discomfort challenges. If you look them up on the Internet, there's, there's a billion of them. One of my favorites is, um, go up to your, your coffee barista and ask him or her, hey, could I get 10% off the order today? Oh. Now, that sounds really simple, right? But you, even your gas there, you know, your heart is going to be pounding. And, and the reality is they're going to say no, whatever. Then you pay your 10.99 or whatever it is you pay for coffee these days, and you walk out the door, no harm, no foul, no problem, no, no threat of dying, but your body <laughs> responds as if. You're going to. So the more you can do that, the more you can intentionally seek discomfort, the more you're training your brain that, oh, these interactions aren't as life-threatening as my body thinks. And you're training your brain to recognize that pattern and be able to stay in a more conscious space when discomfort finds you instead of you actively seeking it. So this is like an, um, an evolutionary thing that we, can, that we can learn to override, which I think is fantastic. Um, And we're talking about, you know, helping men to do this because in some because to be honest, women really, now, and this is not a judgment, this is just an observation, women have stepped into what was traditionally a man's world. And, and, you know, because we don't live out in the wild anymore and we really don't have to, for most of us, thank goodness, don't have to be protected from wild animals or the tribe from across the river that's going to, you know, that wants our territory. Um, that's not true of everybody, but, but at least in the United States, most of us aren't dealing with bombs and war and that kind yeah. of stuff, thank goodness, yeah. in our neighborhood. But so the, so the protect, so protection, you know, so men don't need to protect us anymore. But now we've also stepped into their providing roles. Mm. And, you know, so how do, is there a role for women to play in, we've, you know, we've kind of walked in and said, okay, guys, we sure. don't need you anymore. We can do this on our own. It's like, oh, my gosh. Is there a role for women, or how can women be more either aware of that and not mm-hmm. react, mm, <laughs> you know, not look at men like they're, like they're stuck in the Stone Age, like, you know, so can, we, can we help move, invite men into this process? Yeah, and I think, I think you said it right there. I mean, there's... There's a couple things that I, that I think are going on. One, it's been relatively, and I, I do not want to offend anyone because this has been a massive struggle to get women into the workplace and to gain respect. Of, of course, that's been a huge, a, a massive accomplishment. Um, and I am riding on the coattails of that as a female coming in, uh, you know, in Generation X that mm-hmm. basically takes for granted the, the effort and work that, that women fought to be um, where they are today. Uh, that said, I think it's an even more monumental effort to allow men to move into what I will call traditional women's work. So because we start with the value of men being high, right, if you're looking at uh-huh. traditional, traditional setup, men have higher value. 
And so for a woman to step into the man's world, she is elevating her value, if you will. Mm-hmm. Now we're asking men to step into the world of women. And again, traditionally, women have lower value. So we're asking men to basically step off their platform and come down, if you will. That is so scary. And, so, and I don't think we give men enough credit and support um, societally because it's, it's, it's such a – it can feel demeaning and it can feel like they're stepping down. And we as women have to band together to empower men to say, we are valuable. You know, we are, what we're doing, while we're not getting paid what we should be, getting paid for all the work we do, that doesn't mean uh-huh. it's less valuable. And, and really making that shift to recognize that salary doesn't um, equate to value. And I think women's value in society has been greatly undermined for, for such a long time that oh, when, when we can invite men into our world, when we can welcome them and say, please, here's the child. This is not daddy duty. This is not babysitting. <laughs> this is your child. You know, <laughs> come be a part of this world. I think what we're going to find is that women's, traditional women's work, the more men we bring in, is going to skyrocket in value. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for, for as much, and we spend millions and millions of dollars recruiting women into tech and, and male-based industries. What if we took that money and we invested it into recruiting men into kindergarten or elementary school teachers? I think what we're going to see is that we start to value women and those roles more in society so that men can move more easily into those spaces. I guess it's just as individuals, and it's the idea of people being willing to be uncomfortable, being willing yeah. to um, question their own roles. And I mean, and I do think we're seeing this somewhat with the with the youngest, with this most recent generation, where they are much more accepting of differences and much more. Um, what I'm looking for, I, I think they're pushing it some. And I think that's actually yeah. a good thing. Oh, I, I agree entirely. And, and to your point before, when we were talking about the companies that, that employ diverse employees and, and use them as, on teams, the more different perspectives we can have to tackle a problem, the better we're going to find a solution to. You know, it, it's, um, we get so stuck into our thinking of, of my rules are the right rules and, and this is the way things should always be. Um, and it's just like, I mean, I always use the example of we did some weird things in my family growing up. I know you guys did too, right? But you don't see them as weird until you go to school and you yeah. look around at your peers and they're like, wait, you do what? And you're like, doesn't everybody? You know, like, mm-hmm. Everybody does that, right? And you don't recognize how weird your rules are. That's the same perspective when you bring in diverse perspective, when you bring in diverse teams, and everybody brings their weird. You know, everybody brings their slightly different way of doing things. And when you're sitting around the table with a problem to solve, that opens the possibilities to recognizing, oh, maybe we're not all experts at this. Maybe there are alternatives to approaching this problem. Um, and you end up with, with better, more creative solutions to, to problems that I don't think are going to be resolved without getting those outsider perspectives. Right. And, and 
you know, and, and again, that goes, wrapping up where we started, that goes right back to evolution because how we survive is to learn, the, the, the people who learn to, or the animals that learn to adapt to their surroundings are the ones exactly. that survive. Yeah, and I, I would say evolution, if, if nothing else, evolution is probably the best argument for diversity because literally biology throws millions of solutions at a problem and one emerges as the best but, but and that's what survives and everything else dies but it, it starts to um it starts the problem it starts the, the the whole process of solving by getting all of these different mutations all of these different permutations and saying okay what does this work mm, this works for a little bit this works here this works there and plugs them in so without getting a diversity of, of solutions you're probably holding on to a solution that doesn't work anymore um, <laughs> so we've, we've got to we've got to expand the horizons and, and take a look at at other opportunities from from different perspectives well, Rebecca, thank you so much for being on the show. Can you tell people where they can learn more about you and this whole concept of evolution as it especially applies to what we're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Leslie. Um, yeah, you can find me at Rebecca Heiss. That's H-E-I-S-S, RebeccaHeiss.com. Um, I am on the interweb. I, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Rebecca Heiss on Instagram at Rebecca Heist. You're pretty much okay if you just Google Rebecca Heist, you'll, I will pop up. <laughs> I love it. So as we've been talking about today, evolution is ongoing, and for the most part, that's a good thing. It does present challenges, but those willing to face those challenges are the ones who will thrive. And so the question I have for you is, are you willing to make that conscious choice? And hopefully you'll consciously choose to keep listening to this show. And so until next week, stay loving. Oh.